You're listening to the eFree Lethbridge Podcast. So fitting in with your current sermon series on Acts, my message today is based on Acts 13, which is about the church at Antioch. And I'll start by pointing out a few characteristics of that church, of the church at Antioch, uh, that God used in mission, and point out some parallels between that church and Tokyo Multicultural Church that Anne and I have had the privilege of planting and launching and establishing uh, since 2013. And then I want to touch a little bit at the end on the possibility of a church like your church stepping out in mission to Asia, taking some clues from our text today and from the Antioch Church. Perhaps in this kind of way, we might look at the text and see ourselves participating in God's mission in a little way, just join, entering into that narrative in Acts and just sort of uh, seeing how we might fit in all that. So in Acts chapter 13, we see the church there uh, step out in mission. Uh, Acts chapter 13 actually picks up, doesn't it, the narrative about that Antioch church that Luke actually began a few chapters earlier in Acts chapter 11. And we see from both chapter 11 of Acts and chapter 13 that we're looking at today that the Antioch church was a multicultural church. Uh, The Antioch church was predominantly a Gentile church made up of people from various cultural and social backgrounds. Just take a look at their staff, for instance. Verse 1, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. Barnabas was from Cyprus, actually. It doesn't say that here, but we'll pick that up uh, as we keep reading the book of Acts. Um, and Simeon was a man of color. He was black. Oh, hold it. Most of the people there, were f- compared to me, were men and women of color. Uh, I'm pretty white, but... I'm pretty not so white on the inside, but on the outside, I'm looking pretty white. In any case, Simeon was a man of color, black. Lucius might also have been black because he was from the North African town of Cyrene. And then Manaen was a childhood friend of the, one of the King Herods. I, don't, I didn't dig into that. I'm not sure which King Herod that was, but one of those guys. And he was used to rubbing shoulders then with the people of pretty high political rank. And then there was Saul, not yet called Paul, a Jewish rabbi of actually remarkable intelligence and education. These men are listed as leaders of the church there in Antioch in Syria. And you can see that they came from a variety of cultural backgrounds and probably from a variety of maybe countries or cultures as well. So the church at Antioch was like a microcosm, really, of what God wants his church to be a diverse group of believers united around worship and service of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the church at Antioch might as well have been called Antioch Multicultural Church. And Antioch Multicultural Church kind of reminds me of TMC, Tokyo Multicultural Church. Our TMC staff come from Japan, from Macau, that's a little nation there just uh, by Hong Kong and more connected to China than Hong Kong can be, if you can believe that, and from Zambia. And they also come from places like USA and Canada, like my wife and I. And of the approximately 45 people to 50, depending on what we're doing on a Sunday, of the 45 or so people who call TMC their church, 
They come from about a dozen or more. Actually, I counted more than a dozen the other day. Probably 18 other countries, the remaining people, not the staff, but the people who call TMC their home, come from many other churches. Uh, And in February, we had the privilege, I had the privilege of baptizing. We had some baptisms here. That was great recently, and more coming up. We had one just in February when we were back in Tokyo, and I had the privilege of baptizing this, this young lady who's from South Africa teaching in an elementary school um, in, in, in Tokyo. And at her baptize, baptism, she testified about the Lord's faithfulness to her through, through quite a few years of struggle with suicidal thoughts. And we've had numerous testimonies at our little church in Tokyo about how the Lord has brought people to himself, and the theme of suicide runs consistently through most of these testimonies, and most of them are young women. Uh, Suicide is a big issue in Japan, not only among Japanese people, but but also among the foreigners or expatriates who call Japan their home. Now, back at AMC Antioch, that was about TMC, but back at AMC Antioch Multicultural Church, it was while that church was gathered for worshiping that the Spirit of God directed them to move forward in the work of mission. And that really should not surprise us because worship and mission are connected, aren't they? Worship and mission. Acts 12, verse 13, verses 2 and 3. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So worship was a key characteristic of the Antioch church. Worship was a priority for the church. It included prayer, and it also included fasting. And it was while worshiping the Lord in that manner that the Lord directed them forward in the next steps in mission. Worship is also a key element of what we are trying to do at TMC over in Tokyo. We do certainly enjoy getting together on a Sunday afternoon after our worship services for eating and talking and doing all kinds of fun things together as a church in the afternoon. we, we just like to eat. And somehow, you know, when you eat together, multiculturally, or interculturally, there's all kinds of foreign uh, restaurants in our neighborhood, India and Pakistan, and, and even American food nearby, and Canadian food, stuff like that. So we bring that back to the church and eat it together. Uh, but despite the fact that we enjoy that together, that's not really the main purpose of our gathering together. We sing and we sit under biblical preaching for our worship times, somewhat like you do, but on a much, much smaller scale. I mean, our church could easily fit on half the size of your stage. Uh, we, we, t- we preachers over at TMC typically choose a Bible book to work through for our sermon series, our expository t- uh, preaching. Uh, we, we've, uh, and we do that, all of us do that together. We, so we take different passages, sort of maybe like you're doing here, I'm not sure. Um, and we worship together like this. Um, We have worship leaders from various places, these two folks, the ladies from Uganda, uh, the young, the gentleman on the guitar is from South India. All the South, people from South India who come to TMC seem to be engineers. He's no exception. Um, But in addition then to worship, prayer is also a key element of TMC's church life. We have weekly bilingual Japanese and English uh, prayer meetings, and we have several small groups uh, during the week, and those also include a time of prayer. Now, now Anne and I launched TMC in our apartment complex in Tokyo in 2013. But for two to three years before the launch, even maybe four or five years before we launched, we prayed almost weekly for the future church plant, which is now called TMC, 
at our mother church in Tokyo on the opposite side of Tokyo, on, on the west side of Tokyo. We, TMC, are on the east side of Tokyo. But we would pray weekly at the mother church, at our mother church, for a future church to be planted uh, where TMC is now. These are pictures of the mother church. We would pray together for the future TMC. And we held prayer walks in the very area of Tokyo that we ended up finding a, a rental for the church. We would walk right by that street there. That street right there is where our church is located. We would walk by there praying for a future church. This is like four or five years before we started, not even knowing that in the future there would be, that would be where TMC would be located. And sometimes we would end those chilly winter evening prayer walks with a hot beverage at a coffee shop right nearby uh, that we eventually actually used as one of our TMC small group gathering places. And then after we launched TMC back in 2013, we hosted some local prayer meetings for some local churches in our area of Tokyo. It was a prayer meeting that pretty well met every six weeks or every two months, something like that. And at one of those prayer meetings, we were informed by those churches that had been gathering to pray like this for years before we got there. They had been praying themselves for years that the Lord would start a church in the very area that we started TMC. So unknown to us, others had been praying. Now, worship and prayer are pretty normal, probably, for most churches, right? But Acts chapter 13 is a good reminder that mission and worship go hand in hand. We do mission from out of the context of worship and prayer and praise. And we do mission where worship is not yet happening. We do mission where, work is not, where, mission, where worship is not yet happening. Mission is necessary where there is no worship and where there is no prayer. We have tried to do our missional church planting in the places where we do not see God at work, the spiritually darkest places on planet Earth, the places where there is no worship of the one true God and his son Jesus Christ, the places where people do not know Jesus and therefore cannot pray in the name of Jesus. And conversely, when worship of Jesus Christ becomes a global phenomenon, mission will no longer be necessary. It won't be needed anymore. That's an eschatological statement about God's future plan, isn't it? May God the Father hasten the day of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Antioch Church was a worshiping and praying church. So God used it in his mission by making, making it the church that sent Paul and Bar Saul and Barnabas on their missionary journey. And the church carried out its mission by sending them off. They, they, they prayed over them. They chose them. They sent them off. And no doubt after they were sent off, they probably continued to pray for them too, even though that's not in the text. And by the way, at our church, we too, when we started TMC, 10 years ago, we too were sent off by the mother church. This was our little commissioning service at our mother church. This is a small group, the nucleus that we began our church plant with at Tokyo Multicultural Church. So Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas were sent off on a mission. What did that mission look like? The mission in Cyprus. They started their missionary journey uh, by sailing over to Cyprus where Barnabas was from. I don't know, maybe that's why they went there. He was from there, I'm not sure. Uh, the focus of their missionary work is really clearly stated here in verse 5. They preached the word of God. 
As they walked across that island nation of Cyprus, they were teaching and preaching the word of God. They were teaching about Jesus Christ. They were teaching about the gospel of salvation found in Jesus. And the churches and missionaries we read about in Acts, throughout Acts, were all focused on that task, preaching, teaching the word of God. In fact, in the book of Acts, the word of God, or the message of God, depending on what kind of translation you're looking at, seems to take the lead in establishing the early church. Acts chapter six, verse seven, for instance. So God's message, that's the word of God, continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. That's a summary statement of how God had been working up to that point in Acts. There are more summary statements like that scattered throughout the book of Acts. Here's another one, Acts 12, 24. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. 13, 49. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Lastly, 1920, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Consistently in the book of Acts, the word of God is the agent of the new people of God, the church. Jesus grows his church through the word of God, God's truth. There's even one New Testament scholar who is now the academic dean of, dean of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, who's from actually Hong Kong, has made the case that the Word of God is actually the central theme of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Word of God. So it makes sense that the ministry of Saul and Barnabas that we read about here in Cyprus, in chapter 13 of Acts, to be a ministry of preaching the Word of God. Well, at TMC, we, we too have wanted to be centered on the Word of God, and we have a tagline at our church called Christ-Centered, Bible-Based, Disciple-Making. In our various sermon series, we focus on expository preaching. We've gone through Mark. We've gone through Acts. So basically, I've reworked this sermon for you folks here. And as I reworked it, I realized it's a totally different sermon. <laughs> you can never preach the same sermon twice. It just doesn't work well. On one Sunday, you can. <laughs> In any case, we've gone through those things like Mark and places, Mark, Acts, Romans, Exodus, etc. Uh, at our small groups, uh, which meet several times a month, uh, we also focus on the Word of God. This is our Chinese language small group, one of them that's meeting. Uh, back to Saul, back to Barnabas, back to Antioch. Apparently the political, not to Antioch, back to Cyprus. The political leader of the, or the governor of Cyprus was seeking some kind of spiritual truth, wasn't he? Because he had, a, he had been consulting this wizard guy, this black magic specialist by the name of Bar-Jesus. And the governor there of Cyprus was under the control of this wizard guy uh, who didn't want Saul and Barnabas to get close to him. Well, it didn't work because the missionaries from Antioch, the apostles from Antioch, seemed to have developed some kind of a reputation there on the island of Cyprus. And the governor really, really wanted to meet them badly. So in verse 7, the governor invited them to visit him for he wanted to what? Hear the word of God. There's that word of God theme coming out again. And of course, the wizard objected to this, but he was punished with a sharp, sharp rebuke from Saul, and then he was temporarily struck with blindness, verses 10 and 11. And this was the miracle that led the governor to become a follower, a believer in Jesus Christ, verse 12. When the governor saw what had happened to the wizard guy, 
he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord, the gospel. He was amazed at the word of the Lord. This incident then shows us that God's power and word are greater than the strength and greater than the words, teachings of the evil one. Well, that's exciting stuff. I'd like to just sort of be an observer, invisible observer in the corner, watching these kinds of things unfold uh, on Paul and Saul and Barnabas' missionary journey. Um, exciting stuff. But, and, and TMC has not experienced anything so dramatic as that. But we have some little pieces of miracles that we can, we can just, amazing things that God has done for us. The first one was that God gave to Anne and me an apartment rental in this place of Tokyo, part of Tokyo, where we wanted to plant a church. And it was an amazing gift to us. The square box up there, I don't know how well you can see that. That's our apartment. And then the circle, the yellow area, is where we had targeted and hoped that we could start a church. So the Lord found us an apartment right near the area where we wanted a church. Um, uh, and this is where we wanted to plant a church. And this is what that apartment looks like uh, from, from the lower levels. And actually, the reason we got that apartment is we won a lottery for it. If you want to know about that story, it's an amazing story. Uh, I don't, I've never put my name in any kind of lottery. <laughs> I did at that time because the real estate agent said, do it. So I said, okay. And we won. Well, amazing. Uh, in any case, then after our, and then in that building was a worship, not a worship, was a, was a gathering room, a community uh, room where we could just use for two bucks an hour on a Sunday for our first year of, of meeting as a, as a small church. And, but after the very first Sunday that we met in that, in that little building, uh, the manager of the apartment, who we had gotten to know fairly well, uh, explained, told us that uh, put a, he had to put up some signs. So he put up some signs, and the sign said, no religious gatherings allowed. And we were having our worship services in this little area. So we didn't know what to do. So I went to the manager's office. And I said, well, what do these signs mean? He said, you know, we, we're kind of religious, I said. We sing, we worship the Lord, we look at the Bible. He said, oh, no, you're not, you're not a religion. You're not religious. You're just a circle of friends gathering. And I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, for this friend. <laughs> we need more than, like, more than this. Well, um, a, a few years later, when he was replaced by another manager, that next manager was not so lenient, was not so kind to us. He was not so positively inclined to us. But by then, the Lord had led us to our, our rental facility nearby, which is on that street there, a little, uh, a little arrow pointing at it. There's the entrance to it. Uh, we did, moved out of our hourly rental into this place um, that the Lord gave to us. And that's where we have our worship. A couple little miracles along the way, and there's a bunch of other ones I could share with you too. Well, what about a vision for mission in Asia more generally uh, than what I've spoken about? I think there are some points of contact between the way God carried out his mission through the missionaries he sent out from the Antioch church in Acts 13 and actually what he's doing at TMC. God is still carrying out his mission through churches all around the world in a similar kind of pattern and model that we see here in Acts chapter 13. Now, I understand that the Free Church, you, you, you folks here, are wanting to focus on Asia as a major mi focus of, of, of your mission. And I, I love that. I've been talking to Myron about that. I'm excited about that for you and for Asia. Uh, Anne and I happen to be the Asia Regional uh, Coordinators uh, for Serve Beyond. And one of my goals is to raise an awareness of Asia in our Serve Beyond, in our mission, in our mission agency. 
Um, so in 2020, you know that momentous year of 2020, I had laid plans to lead a 10-day vision trip for churches or pastors in Canada to Asia, and we would stop by and see different missionary work over there. But, you know, COVID kind of scuttled that idea. But I think it's beginning to be resurrected again. Uh, the idea is that we would go around and visit what our missionaries are doing there, whether it's Thailand, like in this picture, or Tokyo, like in this picture. And uh, it looks to me like uh, we would also visit just to see the big cities like Taipei, like, like Hong Kong, where we have partners working, uh, just to see what God is doing over there to help the churches of Canada sort of get a feel for what maybe they could do in mission in Asia, catch a little vision for mission in Asia. I'm actually thinking now maybe February 2024 might be a good time to do that. Myra, you want to come? <laughs> Won't put you on the spot. Back in 2020, we also had plans to have a uh, first-ever Serve Beyond Asia-wide retreat for our Serve Beyond missionaries. Uh, of course, 2020 was a bad year that, and for planning, so we had to cancel and scuttle all that. But we finally had that. We booked a hotel room at this place in 2019 for the 2020 conference. It never happened. In 2021, it didn't happen. Finally, last fall, it happened in 2022. We, we were able to keep our reservation, and we had missionaries gather from different parts of Asia uh, for our, our retreat last October. And probably the most valuable takeaway for me for that was that um, the missionaries who were there, had, some of them had not even met each other before. Asia is huge. You can't just hop on a bus and go for, or a train to go from one country to another. There's, there, are, there are border controls, there are passport issues, et cetera, et cetera. Our, our missionaries just don't see each other very much. But we're in the same mission. But you know, emailing and Zoom doesn't always do it. So anyway, the biggest takeaway from that was our missionaries really enjoy and need encouragement from one another. And furthermore, they need encouragement from their sending churches and from their sending mission agency. Ike Agawin, our executive, our director of our mission, who was originally from the Philippines, was with us at that conference, at that retreat in 2022. He had a great time with everybody. He just fit in. Well, he's, he's originally Asian. He, he has that look and feel about him. Uh, and we just enjoyed our time with him. The missionaries were so encouraged by him. We also had a Free Church of Canada board member join us for that retreat, and he was so encouraging. He and his wife were so encouraging as well. So churches like, I believe, your church here could become encouragers of Asia missionaries as part of their Asia vision. You already do that. You could introduce us and said you were encouraged or something by us. It works the other way around too, Myra. You are such an encouragement to us as a church as well. Um, but one of my greatest challenges at TMC right now is finding ways to recruit and to develop and encourage future and current young TMC pastors. With the exception of our, our Japanese ministries pastors, these young TMC pastors and leaders are unable to get really very much encouragement from the pastors in the Evangelical Free Church of Japan because they do not know the Japanese language well enough. And each of them are still getting their seminary training online at various places in South Africa or California or Singapore. And they do this through their online, through, they do it online study. But God has amazingly brought these leaders and pastors to TMC. And one of my most important ministries right now is to coach them and help them pastor and lead TMC. But it's not really quite clear to me how it is that I can do that. It's not just that 
there's a language barrier between them and the evangelical free church pastors of, in Japan, the Jap Japanese free church pastors. It's that TMC uses English, Japanese, and Chinese for our worship services and for our gatherings, not just Japanese. We sing in those languages, not just in Japanese. We have ministries in those languages, not just in Japanese. So 75% of the people at TMC who do not have Japanese citizenship, many of them don't speak Japanese very well. But then we have 25% of our people who are Japanese. And they, of course, speak Japanese very well. Uh, but they're sometimes more comfortable with us foreigners because they, and expatriates, because they have themselves have had significant time in their lives outside of Japan. And so they've returned to Japan understanding that inside they are really foreigners. They're foreign on the inside. They may look Japanese on the outside, but they're a little foreign on the inside. So they fit really well with us, a church of a bunch of foreigners. And, and they're, they're enjoying that. But pastors of this kind of multicultural church need ministerial connection for encouragement and accountability with senior pastors who understand their non-Japanese side. And they need this to be in the English language, not in Japanese. So it could be, like, could be that a church like you folks here might have the depth of pastoral leadership. I'm amazed by the depth of your pastoral leadership here, by the way. I, I, I really like it. I, I, I'm amazed. Like I say, I want to move here. In any case, pastors of this kind of church, uh, pastors of a church like, like here, EFCL, Lethbridge, could really perhaps help me develop a model for encouraging and mentoring and coaching Tokyo multicultural church pastors So, in Asia, in a huge megacity of Asia. And by the way, Asia is the home of some of the largest megacities in the world, right? What more strategic place could you find for training pastors and planting churches and doing ministry than in one of those megacities? Now, there's some demographic information in the foyer about Asia, but here's a graph showing the relative population of the megacities of the world. A megacity has a population greater than 10 million, by definition. The megacities in Asia are represented in this chart with the blue lines. About half of those megacities of the world are therefore in Asia. And furthermore, seven of the top ten megacities of the world are in Asia. And that means they all have populations of greater than 20 million. Tokyo is the blue line at the very top. That has 37 or to 38 million people in it. That's a lot of people. And perhaps because of Asia being the center of megacities in the world, there are more people concentrated in Asia than anywhere else in the world. There are more people living inside this circle you see up there than outside of it because of the megacities of Asia. These people need Jesus. And the churches made up of followers of Jesus over there need pastors, need leaders. In other words, like Antioch Multicultural Church, churches in Asia, such as TMC, need multicultural leaders and pastors. So I think a church like your church here could play some kind of a role in developing future pastoral leaders for multicultural churches being planted in many of the large megacities of Asia. And yesterday I had some great discussions with Myron and others about that possibility. I look forward to further discussion. You know, the Lord has told us, hasn't he, to pray that more workers be sent into the harvest, a famous prayer request of the Lord, a command of the Lord, and we do that, right? 
But let's also pray that the Lord might open pathways of training and pastoral leadership development for the workers that God does send into the harvest. May you all hear it. EFC of Lethbridge, seek and find new ways and fresh ways of becoming God's people on a mission in Asia. And finally, thank you for your almost 40 years of financial and prayer support for us, for Anne and me. You have been and continue to be invaluable to us. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the E-Free Lethbridge podcast. We'll see you next week.